do this. All right, let's take us a songbook, stand together. Let's turn to number 311, 311. Good to be in church tonight. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed, I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed. His child and forever I am. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. No language my rapture can tell. I know that the light of his presence with me does continually dwell. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, his child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer, I think of Him all the day long. I think for I cannot be silent, His love is the theme of my song. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and Eva, how is she? 
She's doing really good. She's center on her cane now. She's left the walker. Amen. And he had her out in the backyard. He took her out yesterday. He said, do you mind I hold on to your waistband? Yeah. Because <laughs> he didn't want to put the belt around her. So they went out there and walked up and down the gravel road. He said, if you can walk up down the gravel road, you can walk into Walmart. <laughs> Amen. And then she's out there supervising me. I'm going to pop her gun out there. Yeah, I think I heard a chair out there. I, I said, well, come out here and supervise. She said, supervise? I can't walk. <laughs> she's doing good. Yeah, amen. Y'all remember pray for Miss Charlotte? What did you tell me it was? Okay. Okay. Y'all remember her in prayer tonight? Uh, y'all please remember pray for my aunt. They said she's, she's they're feeding her. To, I guess pureeing the food or whatever, so she is getting some nourishment, but she's still just not wanting to move, not wanting to get up, not wanting to go in here, sit up on the bed or anything, or much talk or do much of anything. So, again, her time is limited and short, and we just want to pray that God, God allows her a safe, easy passing. And uh, let's see, anybody else, anything else? Um, right, yes, ma'am. We'll lift up the need in prayer. Anything else from anybody? All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Robert, lead us in prayer tonight. Standing on the promises of God, standing, 
promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. Amen. That's some solid ground there. You can bank on that. 
world victorious. Power and glory under the Lord belong. Praise Him, praise Him, tell of His excellent greatness. Praise Him, praise Him, ever in joyful song. Amen. We need not forget to praise Him. We des- he deserves the praise. He, he, he's worthy of it. And the devil don't want us to. And that's all the more reason we should. Hard, it's hard to be gloomy when you're praising God, too. I'll say that. It's hard to be. You can try. It's hard to be down and out when you're, when you're praising God. It just don't work together. Like crying and laughing. It just They don't go together, you know? I mean, I've seen people do that, too, but it don't usually go together. Um, I want to say before I get started tonight how much I appreciate Brother Brad Michael and Victory Baptist Church, their folks up there, having me in their Sunday night. It was a real blessing. I got up across the river and went into the deepest, darkest fog I'd ever seen, I think. And, well, I tell you, it got foggy over in Hugo, but anyway. And uh, But we had a good service. It wasn't a huge crowd on a foggy night, about 20 people, but it was it was a good service. and. I preached the same message I preached here Sunday morning, and, and they really responded to it, and, and I believe God used it. And, uh, you know, I didn't know. I had no idea. I was preaching that message in response to that revival thing that's going on in Kentucky. The Lord just kind of said, you know, just get up and talk. Just get up and preach on what revival really is, you know. And, and, and so that was the reason I'd done that. But then, I, like I said, I, I preached the same message up there. And uh, right before I went in, he said, what are you preaching on? I told him. He said, well, that's good. He said, we're... He said, we're, we're hoping to have revival meeting in April. He said, and I've been preaching in that direction, trying to get the people ready for revival. So it's just God just had everything lined up. And uh, do I? He always does. He always he always does. I remember when I very first started preaching, the very first place I pastored, well, I was just interim out here at Lane's Chapel, way back yonder, over 20-some 20, well, 20 20 years, 27 years ago. And... Uh, Miss Audie Ward, I don't know if y'all, some of y'all remember her, uh, but anyway, Miss Naomi Ward's mother, Audie Ward, and uh, she was the Sunday. She was the only. She was the only teacher out there when I got out there. They were so scarce of people. They didn't have nobody. She was the only teacher, and she was the adult Sunday school teacher. Well, I, I, I didn't go in there with her woman teacher. I just I went back there in the back, studied my lesson during Sunday school, and uh, but it was kind of interesting. Every time I'd come in there and preach, she'd say, well, you preaching my Sunday school lesson. Now, how'd that happen? God, amen, and what's going on? Amen. God, God give a second witness to the Sunday school lesson or a second witness to the, to the, to the preaching service. And God does that. God will, God will just absolutely astound you what he'll do. Let's get into this message. I ain't got long, and I got a lot to say tonight, so I know you'll give me your attention, and we're going to try to get through it. I want to get through the end of this chapter tonight. If I don't, I won't. it won't break my heart to have to leave a verse or two on the table, but I'd like to get done. So let's go ahead and let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, and let's ask God to meet with us. Let's do that now. Father, I love you so much. I thank you for your love for me and, Lord, for your people. Lord, this church, so grateful to be here with them tonight. Lord, I know we've got many that are out and scattered here, there, and yonder. Folks going into surgery and, Lord, dealing with funerals and, Lord, just a lot of things happening. And, Father, I just pray for each one, Lord, to lift them up to you and ask you to bless them tonight, Lord, even though they can't be with us. And, Lord, just take care of them and help them now. And Father, for those who are here, Lord, I pray you'd open the Word of God to our understanding, Lord, and speak to us. Holy Spirit, teach us from the Word of God, from the Scriptures, from Proverbs tonight. Give us insight into, into daily life and how we're to conduct ourselves as believers how to walk in wisdom and in truth. And, Lord, I pray that you help us to apply it to our lives. And, Lord, to remember these things that we don't necessarily need to hammer down because we've got them fixed, but remember that other people around us need those things. So, Lord, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to absorb all of it, that we might be teachers to others, be helpers to others. Lord, please use us. That's why we're here, Father, to be a blessing to somebody else. So help us to gain wisdom tonight that we might help somebody else who need it, needs it very much. And, Father, I just pray now you put your hand on me, speak through me. Holy Ghost to God, I yield myself, and I ask you to please take control. Use me tonight and speak through me. And for Christ's sake, for his honor and glory, we ask these things. Amen. All right. Verse 19, Proverbs chapter 12. Verse 19, we're going to try to go all the way down from 19 to 28, 10 verses. Doesn't seem like much of a feat, but sometimes you just don't never know. 
the lip of truth shall be established forever. The lip of truth. That's somebody talking the truth, speaking the truth wherever they go. And you know, God looks after those who love the truth. Amen? I mean, listen, God. there is no truth outside of God. What God said is truth. So those who love the truth generally love him, right? God loves those that love him. Amen? And, 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 and those who love the truth, they speak, but they don't hold it inside. If you really love the truth, you know, if somebody gets, if somebody wants to, to cure a disease, they found a cure for an incurable disease, what kind of a person would they be to keep that to themselves? That'd make a person a horrible person, knowing they could maybe heal little boys and girls and moms and dads, and yet they keep the secret to themselves. What kind of person is that? It's a horrible person. And yet I take that and we flip that and put that on Christians. we got the cure for hell. We have the cure for eternity. And yet a lot of times we keep it to ourselves. And what kind of what kind of Christian does that make us if we look in the mirror at ourselves and, and, and realize that we hold back the cure for, for, for sin from people? And we don't even think about it. It's like it doesn't register with that, us that that's what we're doing, but we could be sharing it more often than we do, and yet and yet we don't. But the, I, 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 that's not what this verse is about, and I didn't mean to guilt you and hammer on it, but I want you to think about that every now and then. Uh, but, but God loves those that speak the truth. And under the blessing of God, they're established forever. Matthew 25, 24, 35 says, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. True, you know what? This world, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall, governments rise and fall, uh, hills rise and fall, but the word of God doesn't change. It stays the same, you know. Uh, I, I mean, it's amazing how things change. I drive by somewhere where I used to know when I was a kid, and it don't even look the same. It's a totally different place. There's woods where something was cleared off, you know. It's like, where'd that come from? You know, nothing nothing stays the same. That's the one thing you can count on is that everything's going to change except for God's word. The lip truth shall be established forever. <clears throat> the truth will always stand its ground. Always. The truth doesn't get pushed around. You can get mad and turn every shade of red you want to, but the truth isn't going to budge. You're not going to bluff it or intimidate it. Amen. What is true now? This moment will always be true. We can stand on it, and we need not fear being put to shame because the lip of truth shall be established forever. But the other half of that verse says, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. And But in this world we're living in, it seems like that's all we hear is lies. And it seems like truth gets beat back and, and, and whooped to a nub, and lies is just ruling the day. But, but and, and it seems like lies are stronger than the truthful lip, but... But you know, the thing of it is, the judgments of God, the judgments of the God of truth are going to show, he's going to show how temporary the success of a lying tongue is. That, that lying tongue ain't going to last that long. I mean, it seems like it because, you know, we got this little span of life we're living in, and in this little tiny span of life, it seems that way. But, you know, in the grand scope of time and eternity, it's not necessarily that way. Uh, Adam Clark said, truth stands forever because its foundation is indestructible. But falsehood may soon be detected, and though it gained credit for a while, it had that credit because it was supposed to be the truth. You see, I mean, I, and I don't know, you know, I think about what's going on in, in, our, in the news cycle. You know, they're finding out all the lies of the Biden administration like we didn't know that already. It's like now they're discovering something. That, wow, how'd y'all figure out all this? Hunter Biden stuff, I mean, good night, you know. And now it's coming out that the vaccines are poisonous. And, 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 and I mean, it's coming out all kinds of stuff about Pfizer now. And, and like, wow, we didn't know that. But, but the truth of it is they can't hide their lies forever. The lie comes to an end. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan said the, the lying tongue may continue to utter its falsehood for long years by the calendars of men. But when you place those years by the side of the ages of God, they are but as a moment, as the winking of an eye, as nothing. Adam Clark said, truth stands... I already quoted that one. Never mind. I'll just read that one twice. It was in that. All right. But anyway, 
the devil may the devil may look like he's. I mean, and I realize we're coming down to the end of this age of grace, but we don't know what God may do between now and then. We don't know. I know. I know most men of God that I know say, "Oh man, the age of revival's over with. Eh? It ain't gonna happen no more." But you don't know what's gonna happen, or don't know what's gonna happen. Because I'm sure, I'm sure in the in the dark ages, people said it'll never happen again. But never know. It's when the deadness settles in that's when revival can happen. And if there was ever a dead time, we're living in a dead time. So you never know. But anyway, let's keep going. Verse twenty. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deceit is just lies and and and. and and a man who's imagining evil, his heart's full of lies. Those who devise evil and practice evil, they have deceit in their heart before it ever is evident in their actions. They, it's, it's, all, it's all cooped up inside of them before it ever comes out. You can be walking around an evil man, and he's sitting there thinking of evil things. You never know it. You, it it's there. It's turning in his mind. It's turning through the gears of his mind before it ever comes out in his hands. And why is it? It's because there's something corrupt in their core that finds its expression outwardly. Jeremiah seventeen nine, y'all know what it says. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? Can't nobody tell just how wicked somebody can truly be. That's what that verse means. It's be, it goes. It can go beyond your comprehension. Oh, listen, there's a guy in South Carolina I've been watching in the news cycle. It's high-powered attorney, and he's on trial for murdering his wife and his son and, and, and stole umpteen thousands of dollars from his clients and his law firm and everything else. You know, again, and he's upset and a member of the community. You don't ever know what lurks in somebody's dark heart, is what I'm trying to say to you. And in light of that, how good is the advice that you hear everywhere that you should follow your heart? Think about that. They tell kids in kindergarten that. Follow your heart. Face your dreams. You can be anything. Boy, the devil never said it any sweeter. I'm telling you. Listen, that's this, that's the anti-God advice. It's anti-Christian advice. Don't ever tell a little kid you can be anything you want to be. You ought to be what God wants you to be. You ought to follow God's will for your life. Find out what Jesus would have you to be. That, that That's the way to talk to him. But, but again, the world's way of talking and thinking has has just kind of funneled us all into this way of talking, and, and we don't even know why we say the things we say. But I don't think that's a good piece of advice. Follow your heart. No, 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 don't do that. Follow the Lord. Uh, Romans 3, 10 through 18, I know that's a long passage, but listen to what it says here about, about this deceit being in the heart of those that imagine evil. As it is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. That's usually, we quote that verse, but we don't go further. There is none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. This is talking about a person in their heart. They're all gone out of the way. They, they all, they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. It's like a grave. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of ass snakes is under their lips. wonder what that's referring to. Uh, talking like they're the father of the devil, uh, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That sounds like people I know. That sounds like people I know. I'm talking about young people. who ain't got no fear of God in them whatsoever. Living for themselves, living their own life how they want to live. I know some old people the same way. The Bible tells us, listen, we got it, listen, deceit is in the heart. They, they're fooling themselves. They're lying to themselves, telling, oh, it's fine. I'll do what I want to do. I can do anything I want to do. It's my life. They don't realize their heart wouldn't pump if God didn't allow it. Their breath, breath wouldn't come into their lungs and out of it if God didn't allow it. second half of that verse says, but to the counselors of peace is joy. Counselors of peace. What does that even mean, the counselors of peace? What do counselors of peace do? Counselors of peace speak the words of salvation. That's the only way a person can have truly peace is to know Christ. But the counselors of peace to me are those who speak the words of salvation and tell somebody how to go from death unto life, 
how they can have peace in their life. You know, the counselors of, to the counselors of peace is joy, it says. What is the source of joy? The source of joy is our salvation. It's a, it's a well springing up into salvation. I mean, joy overflowing. We sing, we, what is that song? It's bubbling, it's bubbling, it's bubbling in my soul. It's singing, it's laughing. It says, Jesus made me old. That's one I learned in vacation Bible school a long time ago. But, uh, but again, there's a joy that comes to and from those who speak the words of peace. You talk about joy in your life. You go around and talk about Jesus to people, you'll have joy in your life. And guess what? As you speak those words of peace, there's joy that comes from you to them. Counselors of peace, there's joy. And this joy is within the counselors of peace, and so they're able to take it and give it away to somebody else. I can't give you something I don't have already. But if I got peace in my heart because what Jesus has done for me, I can give that to anybody I want to. They ain't gonna maybe some of them won't take it, but that doesn't stop me from offering it. And just because they knock it down, say I don't want it. This is that didn't hurt me none. That's them. They're gonna spend eternity in hell if they don't want Jesus. It ain't on me. I shouldn't get my feelings hurt because somebody they didn't reject me. They rejected him. But again, let me let me keep going here. I gotta hurry. But to the counselors of peace is joy. Counselors. Proverbs always represents counselors in a group. In in the 11th chapter, in verse 14, if you want to flip over there, you can look at it, but it says, where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. So he's saying, you need more than one. Don't just go find one. You know why I think that is? I think because you could probably go and find one that would agree with you. If you look, if you look, and, I, and I've said this before, but I'll say this again. Most people, when they get backslid and they need somebody to talk to, they don't usually go to the strongest Christian in the church. They usually try to go find somebody weaker in the faith than they are. Somebody will put their arm, say, oh, I feel sorry, you know, you're poor you, and all this. I mean, they don't want to deal with the problem. You go to the strongest Christian in the church, they'll start giving you some scriptural advice how to come out of the funk you're in. But you go to the one who's weakest in the faith, they're going to say, oh, you're a preacher, he's hard on you, or whatever. I mean, I'm not saying y'all would do that, but I'm saying in in, in, a, in an average church, you'll find somebody disgruntled in there if you look. We're too small to have one too, too disgruntled. <laughs> but, but you get in a great big church, you'll find somebody disgruntled, and that'd be the person somebody most likely would go to that was backslid. Um, another verse there about multitude of counselors, it says in chapter 5, verse 22, without counsel, Purposes are disappointed. If you don't talk to somebody, it ain't going to work out right. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. You get enough people around who's got some common sense and, and knows the Lord, got some wisdom, they'll help you work your way through your problem. Your ways will get established. Uh, chapter 24, verse 6, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. I don't want to go to war anyway. But if I got to go to war, I better know how. I better. I better have some advice on it. If I, I mean, listen, if I'm going into a battle, somebody has been through a battle like this before. I need to talk to them. I need to talk to somebody who's been through it and come out the other side. I, I don't want to just talk to one. I want to talk to two or three of them, and I can find out what they all did is in common and how that how it worked for them. So I can go at this thing the same way, trusting in the Lord and His ways and not my ways. And I'm going to get back at somebody thinking. I need uh, listen. War, listen, if I gotta go to war, I gotta fight it right. I gotta do it I gotta honor God. And you know you can do that. The Bible says be angry and sin not. There's a way to do it, but it has to be righteous indignation. It can't be selfish indignation. Verse twenty one, I gotta hurry again. I keep saying that like it helps. But it, <laughs> all right. There shall no evil happen to the just. Well praise God for that. Amen. Amen. Has anything bad ever happened to any of y'all? Can anybody say that? That doesn't disprove the scripture. If, I, if you hold your hand up and say some bad things have happened to me in my life. Okay. Now I'm going to try to show you that that's not, not what that's saying. Not saying nothing bad's going to ever happen to you. Because that would mean the Bible wasn't true. No, that's not what God's saying. But, I mean, because righteous men and women are certainly going to experience trouble in life. There's no denying that. Second Timothy 3.12 is not in contradiction to the Scripture, but it says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. 
Okay? That, those two verses are not in conflict. God, God has promised to manage the degree of trouble we get into, the duration of the trouble we're in, and the depth of the trouble we're in. God's in control, and you say, where's that at? Second, First Corinthians ten thirteen. Y'all know what it says. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you be able to bear it. So, in other words, this, he, he, the verse says there shall no evil happen. Does that mean it's not going to overtake you? It's not going to destroy you. I mean, trouble may come your way, but but evil is not going to happen to you. Evil happening to you is evil being your demise. And and especially when, and I think the view of this is in light of eternity. I don't think it's the temporal flesh that we're referring to because surely... How many martyrs have there been? So, well, evil happened to them. Couldn't touch their soul. They could burn them. They could boil them in oil, but they couldn't touch their soul. Hey, listen, they could throw them to the wolves, but they couldn't touch their soul. They could slice them in half, but they couldn't touch their soul. Stretch their body to limbs, but they couldn't touch their soul. There shall no evil happen to the just. We're protected. We're fireproof. We have fire insurance that they don't have. Listen, God's going to take care of us. Yes, we may have to endure some things down here on this earth, but ain't nothing going to touch our eternity. That's the point. But on the other hand, but the wicked, the Bible says, shall be filled with mischief. In contrast, the wicked will receive the result of their wickedness. Amen? We're going to receive the result of everlasting life. They're going to get the result of their own wickedness. They're not going to be rescued from their trouble. See, we have a we have a rescuer coming for us. He's going to take us out of here, and we won't have to deal with it anymore, praise God. But they ain't going to have no rescuer. Why? Because they pursued evil instead of the Lord. They, they're going to find their lives filled and surrounded by evil. They run toward evil their whole life, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm in the middle of evil. <laughs> How did I get here? Well, it's no wonder. You chased it your whole life. You found it. Hope you enjoy it because you found it. Now you're in the middle of it. What are you going to do? Ain't nobody there to help you. It's foolish. It's foolishness. I mean, absolutely foolishness to think that you can run with the devil and not wind up with him. Verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Well, let's just remember what Exodus 20 verse 16 says. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. That's right there in the Ten Commandments. God is the God of truth, and the God of truth loves truth. And he regards the lips that spread lies as offensive. Not just offensive, he regards them as an abomination to him. In Proverbs six seventeen, in the list of the six things that the Lord hates and the seven that are an abomination to him, a lying tongue is the second one mentioned. So it's right up pretty high on the list. So God hates lying lips. I don't think I have to go any deeper than that. I think we understand that. But the second half says, but they that deal truly are his delight. The same God that regards lies as an abomination takes delight in those that value and tell the truth. Proverbs 23, 23 tells us to buy the truth and sell it not. Amen. We need to get a monopoly on the truth. Amen. Get as much as you can get. Learn as much word of the word. Hide as much of the word in your heart as you can. May come a day when you can, when it's illegal to have a copy, and they may take them from us. I don't think so. I don't think they're gonna get mine. But I but I, I tell you, I fight for mine. Amen. I, I know there's a song that a missionary sang one time at our church years ago. He said, "You can take my old King James Bible, tear its pages all apart, but you'll never take Jesus out of my heart." I, I like that song. But you know, and, and that day may come. But praise God, we listen, but they that deal truly are his delight. Wisdom's lesson here is plain. Stop lying. Start telling the truth. It's as simple as that. Uh, verse 23, I'm going to move on. A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. A prudent man concealeth knowledge. I, I mentioned this, I think, last week or the week before. That, you know, I said, my daddy used to say, boy, you just tell everybody everything you know. 
And then when you tell everything you know, nobody got any interest in you anymore because they know everything you know. There's no more interest. You're boring now. You lost all your mystique. He said, keep a few secrets, boy. And he was right. The Bible says a prudent man can, I mean, it was one, I mean you know, broke clocks right twice a day. So I, I'll give him that much. But, but praise God, he was right about that. Uh, it, it's, it shows that we have wisdom and that we exercise prudence or carefulness not to tell everything we know, especially if it's something that somebody has shared with us that would harm somebody or hurt somebody. It, it, you know, it ain't good to just flap your gums. And some people, they, they, they don't know nothing, so they just tell stuff that they, I mean, they don't know anything worth anything, so they just regurgitate things that they've heard and they end up hurting somebody else in the process just because they like to hear themselves talk and want to seem important to somebody. Look what I know. Well, you ended up telling somebody else's business and hurting them in the process. So probably, I would say a prudent man. That's one that has a little, a little bit of character and some concern about them. Uh, they don't do that. Uh, this fellow named Dwayne Garrett, I thought he's a seminary professor or something. He said someone who's careful in what he says will be equally careful about whom he confides in. There's something to that, too. You can't just tell everybody anything because some people you tell them, they tell everybody. You know, I remember some, I can't, I shouldn't tell that. That's an old joke and that's outdated. I won't tell that. Anyway, let's keep going. Uh, A prudent man concealeth knowledge, but the second half said, the heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. The heart of fools proclaimeth foolishness. A wise man or a wise woman understands having moderation in the way they conduct themselves. You know, God God tells us we ought to have moderation in all things. You know, we, in other words, have some self-control. Be level-headed, even keel, not uh, not not subject to extreme highs and extreme lows. I tell you, I had a, I had a grand, my, both of my grandfathers. That's the way both of them were. They were steady as a rock. And I and I that's what I seek to be. I want to be like them. But you've got to use moderation and restraint. You know, as a believer, we need to be sure that we use moderation and restraint in the things that we do. Because the fool doesn't. The fool's wide open either way. Doesn't make no difference. Just just no restraint whatsoever. No concern for what anybody thinks or 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 or, or how somebody views them or how they reflect on Christ. Or they don't reflect on Christ. So they're just wide open. And it's in the na- it's in the nature of a fool to let everybody know that they're a fool, to proclaim their foolishness to everybody. Uh, and that's just the way a fool is. And what's in your heart, what's in your heart's going to come out. Whatever's in there is going to be revealed. Uh, Proverbs twenty five twenty eight says, "He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down and without walls." Well. Back back when the Bible was written, if you if you had a city whose walls was all broken down, and anybody could just come and destroy you, anybody could come and take anything you had, uh, you know. And he said, and, and that's the way a, that's the way a person is that, that hadn't got any rule over their own spirit. In other words, they can't control themselves; they just tell anything, you know. The devil's just absolutely destroying them. He's running over them roughshod like an enemy invading. Verse twenty four, we're gonna make it, y'all. We're going to make it to the finish line. Verse 24, the hand of the diligent shall bear rule. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule. Now, this is is both according to the blessing of God who rewards the diligent and the way the world works. Because, again, if you're you're a hard worker in this world, if you you go out and get a job and, and work hard, you know, People going, you're going to get a blessing from that, you know. People say, hey, that boy there is a hard worker, you know. Hey, next time you get ready to promote somebody, promote him because he'll work hard. He'll do, he'll do good for the company. That's, that's, what this, that's what this verse is talking about. You know, the person who's a good hard worker and, and, and takes care of their business and does good, they're going to get bumped up. And, you know, and, and it works that way in the family of God, too. The person who takes care of God's business, God's going to promote that person to, to a position where they can be used. God wants to use them. Hardworking people reach their goals and, and gravitate to places of leadership. At least that's the way it used to work. Nowadays, 
you're some kind of weirdo freak they'll put you in leadership because they're trying to change the world. But it used to be if you had character, and, and, and again, hard worker, you got promoted. But, so I mean, and you know what? It's still true. It's still true, even though our government's full of a bunch of idiots that they promoted that didn't deserve to be there. That's neither here nor there. In the real world, if you work a job and, you, and your company's trying to be successful, they're going to promote people who have character. They're going to promote people who stay to quitting time and don't try to be looking to get out the door five minutes early. They're going to promote the one who finishes the task and makes sure it's done right. The hand of the diligent shall bear a rule, but the other half of that, but the slothful shall be under tribute. I mean, he's going to have a hard road to hold because he's not fit to rule over anybody else, even his own self. That lazy man is destined to be ruled over by somebody else, controlled, kept on a short leash. That word slothful there in Hebrew, the word in Hebrew doesn't mean lazy necessarily. It means deceitful, somebody who's taking advantage of you. And that's what he's calling the slothful here. Because deceitfulness and idleness go hand in hand. A person who's trying to do nothing will do anything they can to do nothing. They'll work twice as hard trying to do nothing and be lazy than somebody who works at, at trying to take care of business. But and, and again, people that are like that, men that are like that, they're looking to get by by fraud. What they either can't, what they either can't or won't get by honest labor. They're trying to do it by fraud instead of just working hard for what they ought to have. But they're going to suffer for it. Verse 25, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. I'm sure there's people listening in tonight ain't got a clue in the world what heaviness in the heart of man means. It's called depression. That's exactly what heaviness in the heart of man is, just old clinical Manic, clinical, whatever you want to call it, depression. And this is the wisest man that ever lived speaking on the subject. Think about that. Y'all know that's true. That's the wisest man that, that ever lived. God said so. And he's speaking on the cause of depression. He says, heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. It may come from fear and anxiety from within a man or woman's heart. Depression, fear. You know, the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. We're not meant to have depression. We're not meant to live in depression. I mean, I know, I know David got down. I, I know, I know Elijah got down. There's seasons we're not meant to stay there. It's not to say that you know it's a crime, it's a horrible sin for you to have a bad day, but you can't just stay there. You got to get up. You got to turn your eyes toward heaven. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop. You know that's why that's why God tells us, be careful for nothing. Don't sit and worry about things you can't control. Don't sit and dwell on things that you can't do anything about. Don't be don't be anxious about stuff. He said, but in everything, not little things, but not the big things. No, in everything, by prayer, take it to God and beg Him. Take it and plead with him. Pour your heart out. Prayer and supplication and thank him for giving you deliverance before you even get it. Thank him for the victory before the victory even comes. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Take the heaviness, take the heartbreak, say, God, here it is. I thank you for the victory over this. I praise your holy name for giving me the victory. You ain't even seen it yet, but you know it's coming. That's the way God wants us to pray with expectation, believing that he's not going to leave us in our despair. Heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. You know how to fix an anxious heart? Encouragement. That's how. A simple good word from somebody. There's no telling how many people in this life that we pass by go through this life every day and nobody ever speaks a word of encouragement to them. And, and we don't think to. But there's a lot of people around us probably that need encouragement. I, I remember, and I, I'll just quote the story, but it stuck out in my mind. Mom, I've remembered it all these years. Her telling me, I, it's probably been 15 years ago, about a about this black woman in, 
in uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, outside the hospital up there, who was a Christian and worked a little guard shack as cars went out of the parking lot. And as people pulled up there, she'd, she'd do their ticket validation or whatever, and she'd say to every single one of them, be encouraged. That was all she said, two words, be encouraged. She's talking to people who are who are got people in there that's sick in the hospital, dying in the hospital, having surgeries in the hospital. She can't do much. She says two words, be encouraged. Some people don't ever hear that. And they wrote an article about her in the Baptist Trumpet newspaper, the Missionary Baptist newspaper up there, telling about her encouraging people. You know, God would have us to encourage people. We ought to be an encourager. Uh, encouragement, it doesn't cost very much to give it. It doesn't cost you hardly anything at all. matter of fact, it doesn't cost you anything. But it can do enormous good to the one that receives it. Tremendous things that money can't even buy. Somebody said the kind word probably includes encouragement, kindness, and insight that he's referring to, a kind word or a good word there. person needs to gain. Let me read that again. The good word that maketh it glad, it includes encouragement, kindness, and insight, saying that which the person needs to gain the proper perspective and renew their hope and confidence. In other words, it turns their eyes upon Jesus. Amen? And when you turn your eyes from your problem to Jesus, light enters the body. What was only darkness turning to the right hand or the left, as the Bible tells us not to do, if if, if, if thine eye be single, in other words, focus on the Lord, the whole body's full of light, but if the light that's in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? We turn away from the Lord, darkness consumes So, again, we ought to be encouragers. I mean, you think about the, the times that Jesus just spoke a simple, good word and made other people glad. I'll give you some examples. Matthew 9, 2, good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Luke 7, 48, and he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Luke 8, 48, he said unto her, this is the woman with the, the issue of blood, he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole, go in peace. John 8, 11, Jesus said unto her, the woman taken in adultery, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Those were words of encouragement. Amen. I mean, I know those are words of salvation, but they're words of encouragement. Don't you know after Jesus spoke those words, them people left that situation a whole lot better than they, than they came to it. I'm telling you, words of encouragement lift people up and help people. Proverbs 18:21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Usually we use that verse in a negative connotation, saying that death's in the power of the tongue. But think about the other half of that. Life is in the power of the tongue. We speak words of life when we speak encouragement. Somebody may be somebody may be on the point of thinking about ending their life. If somebody just out of the blue speaks encouragement to them, and suddenly the light flickers in a dark place. Suddenly, suddenly what was devastation now has a, a glimmer of hope. Be careful to remember that. You never know what good you may do with a little word of encouragement. I try to remember to tell people to have a blessed day. That's a simple little thing. It doesn't mean much. I mean, I mean, I say it doesn't mean much. It means a lot, but it doesn't cost nothing. It doesn't take very long just to say, hey, have a blessed day. Because they have to equate that blessing with something. They may not ever think about it, but they might, they might think, well, where am I going to get a blessing from? And, and they're going to have to eventually think, well, I guess God, because they ain't nowhere else. But but just speak some words into into somebody's life. Verse 26, I'm going to try to hurry. I think i got five minutes left. I think we can make it. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor. Notice that good men, good men do good for themselves. We do good things. We try to take care of ourselves. Good men do. They try to try to take care of your family, try to take care of your, your house, try to have a nice vehicle, try to have try to have nice things. We Good men do that. They, they try to prepare and plan and have a, have a nice place and, and, and things and things. And why do they do that? They do it because they have good character. Good men have good character. A righteous man has good character. And they end up with a with, with a good portion, a good life, more so than a lot of other people who don't have good character. The righteous is more abundant than his neighbor. He's richer. 
Now, I ain't talking about material wealth. There's a lot of people that ain't got much money that's richer than other people. He may not be richer in the world's good, but he's richer in the graces and the comforts of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And, and those are true riches. God moving and working in your life. You can't, you can't buy that. Those are true riches. And his na- you know what? His neighbor may be a big, big important fella. Maybe somebody everybody thinks the world of. He may have a bigger name for himself than, than, than the, the righteous man. He may get more applause than the righteous man. But the righteous man has real lasting worth because he's because he knows the Lord, because he has the Lord. But the Bible says, But the way of the wicked seduceth them. <clears throat> wicked men end up hurting themselves. They walk in a way that seduces them and just lures them on and on and on and on. And once in it, they can't leave that life, they think. You know, they got caught up in it. It, it. it not only seems to be a good way to them, it seems all of a sudden to be the right way, you know. Uh, and, and it feels good to their flesh the way that they're walking in, doing the things that they want to do. And so they tell themselves, well, this can't be wrong. I'm enjoying myself. I'm having the time of my life. thing is, they're not going to get to where they think they're going. They're never going to reach their destination. They're never going to reach that good life they think they're living. It's odd that they call good evil and evil good. They call a good life living a sinful life, but they wouldn't live that righteous life for nothing. That's terrible. But they but they think that that, that sinful life is the good life. And you know why? Because it's all a scam of the devil. He's scamming them. He's got them. I mean, he, he's got them dead to rights. And, 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 and therefore, the, the righteous is wiser and happier than his neighbor, even though they despise him and do him wrong and maybe have lots more material things. The righteous man's a whole lot more better off than the wicked man because the wicked man's headed for destruction. 27, I got two more. The slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. Or hunting. <laughs> the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. Okay, the slothful man, the deceitful man we talked about, he's got deer meat in his freezer, but what he's chicken frying is not meat that he took, he shot. No, it's a deer somebody else shot. He lives off the fruit of their labors. He just driving around from deer camp to deer camp saying, hey, man, y'all going to eat all that meat? I'll take some of it if y'all don't need it all. Uh, that'd be a pretty, that'd be a weasel right there. He don't want to go out and kill his own deer. He's just gonna try to bum some deer meat off everybody else. That reminds me of people that won't work, that won't just get on the government dole, and don't want to do nothing else. There's a lot of people out there like that. Won't lift a finger to do nothing. They just want to, they just want to get get something somebody else paid for. Or, or, if the, or if the slothful, deceitful man, if he has shot anything while he's hunting, well, I won't fool with that. That's too much trouble. I just saw the horns off and yank the back straps and leave it laying there to rot. I don't want to have to do no work. I ain't getting that hair all over me and gut smell all over me. Uh-uh. Slothful man. He'll take advantage of somebody else, though. It's, to do it to, to do it himself is too much work. No desire to use the full bounty provided by God at all. Just little as I can get by with. But the Bible says, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. See, there, again, there's something to be said for hard work, for filling the need, for the ability to to meet somebody's expectations, for being able to provide for somebody who who needs something. And the substance of a diligent man, even though it may not be a great amount, because it meets needs, and it comes from the blessing of God, and he takes comfort in it. Why? It does him good. It does his family good. It's his daily bread. Not bread he took out of somebody else's mouth because he was too lazy to work. He sees God as his provider who gives him an answer to his prayers. And lastly, in the way of righteousness is life, and in the pathway thereof there is no death. In the way of righteousness is life, the Bible says. Romans six twenty two and 23, listen. 
now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Praise God in the way of righteousness is life. The Bible says the way of sin, wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. He says, listen, praise God, you're made free from sin. You're God's servant now, and you have fruit. You're producing fruit, holy fruit for, for the Lord. And the end of your result of, of your trust in Christ is everlasting life. You're going to heaven when you die. Amen. And the way of righteousness is life. Praise God. But the other half of that says, and in the pathway thereof, there is no death. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful tonight that I'm a Christian. I'm glad that you are too. And I hope and pray everybody listening to me tonight is. But I'm not under any delusion that everybody listening to me has to be saved or they wouldn't have listened to me. They may be somebody listening tonight that's not sure if they're going to heaven when they die. Listen to what the Bible says. In the way of righteousness is life. Listen to what that says. Being made free from sin. Wouldn't you like to be free from your sin? Wouldn't you like to be free from the penalty of sin, which is hell? Wouldn't you like to have, have a home in heaven waiting on you with the, with the Father and with the Son? Hey, listen, wouldn't you like to be there with all the saints of God in the end, free from, the, from pain and agony and, 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 and living a life without any more, any more suffering, any more, uh, any more disappointment? Praise God in a, in, a, in a body that's perfect without sin in the presence of God forever. The Bible says that in, in that pathway there's no death. At the end of it, there's no death. Romans 5.21 says that as sin hath reigned unto death, that as it hath reigned, but you know what? It ain't reigning no more because I'm saved. Amen? He says as it hath reigned in our life unto death, even so might grace reign. Praise God. Grace on the throne of my heart. Not Listen, not, not death anymore. Death's not in charge anymore. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is. Even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Pathway of the righteous is a safe, pleasant, comfortable way. You know why? Because you know where you're going. There's not only life at the end, but guess what? There's life all the way. Hallelujah. i got eternal life. Started, started, mine started in 1975. I've had eternal life since 1975. Praise God. I don't get it when I get to heaven. They don't hand it to me on the way in the door. I got it now. Hallelujah. And there's no end. Praise God. There's, there's no end. Hallelujah. To what I've got. Grace is reigning in our life right now, and it'll reign all the way home. Like I said, there's no death in this path that we walk. There's none of the sorrow of this world that works death and is a damper on our joy in the Christian life. Because, I, listen, I'm not of this world. This world's not my home. I don't have to. This world this world can't hurt me. It can try, but what I've got is eternal. And everything in this world is temporary. And there's no end of the life that's in the way of righteousness. In the way of this world, there's life, but there's death too. In the way of righteousness, there's life and no death. Life and immortality. And I'm going to close with John 11, 25 and 26. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? In the path, in the, the path, the path of the righteous, there is no death. Hallelujah. I'm thankful to that. I'm thankful I don't have to die. You know, ain't nobody in here ever have to die. This old, body, this old body will lay down, but we don't have to die. Amen. We've got eternal life, and it'll never end. Amen. Let's, let's stay together. Let's thank God for that eternal life that we have since we believe on Jesus Christ, and we'll have all the way home. And let's pray tonight that those who don't know for sure they have eternal life, because I know there are those who will hear this, and they don't have eternal life, and they're not sure how to have it. But it's only in Jesus, and there's nothing else. Only in him believe it. It's in what on the cross. She's death, burial, and resurrection. Let's go, Father, Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for the book of Proverbs. I thank you, Lord, for, Lord, for the wisdom that we gain from it. Lord, how you help us and 
and uh, knowing what to do and how to handle life's difficulties, Father, because the devil throws things at us right and left. Lord, give us the truth, the wisdom that we need from it. Lord, that we might we might face life's problems, we might face life's difficulties with a heavenly perspective, using the wisdom that comes from above, the peaceable wisdom, Father. We thank you that, that Lord, your way is right, your way is perfect, and it's always right. Lord, we can always stand on it and trust it, Lord, and the Lord, we can live by it. Father, I thank you. I pray you help all those we mentioned tonight in our prayers. Again, we pray a special prayer for Miss Nell Chaney tomorrow. She goes into surgery. We pray, Lord, we hear a good report tomorrow afternoon, Father. We just thank you for that. And each other, all the rest of the prayer lists and requests have been made. Father, we just ask you to deal with each one according to your uh, divine wisdom and knowledge, Father. We just ask you, please, to work it all out for the glory of Christ. And we ask these things in his name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. We're dismissed. I don't Thank you. Appreciate that. And I just want to say thank you all for everybody that prayed for me. I told you all I needed prayer. I just I was going through that, I don't know whether it's COVID fog, COVID brain, or, or just going through a, a spiritual fog. But thank God I feel like it's lifted. So praise God for that. Thank you. Thank you for your prayer.